Welcome to the Testimony Service Podcast, the podcast that will encourage you, increase your faith, and draw you closer to God. I'm your host, Martina. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So in an effort to help our listeners' faith increase, each episode will begin with the scripture. The scripture for today comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And now for episode 39, Recovery Mode. Hello, um, my name is Diagene Jordan. I am from Denver, Colorado. Um, I am 24 years old, grew up in a family, uh, a big family, actually. I'm the second oldest of 10 children. Um, yeah, that's a wow to many people. <laughs> but um, it all started November the 7th, 2011, when my life literally drastically changed for the worst. I was attacked by three men at gunpoint and not even knowing what was going to happen next. I literally had a flashback of this is about to be it. I was literally coming from volleyball practice and um, I was with one of my best friends at the time. And he literally had told me, when you get home, call me. He never got a phone call. So that is when things really had got very difficult for me. I was out of school for three to almost four months. Um, I wasn't allowed to have any contact with anybody. When I say no contact, I couldn't have Facebook. I couldn't have no phones. They wouldn't allow me to go back to school like nothing. So this was all during the process of me doing investigations. I literally thought I actually lived at the police station for a while. So to go into detail, this was actually on the corner of Colfax and Dayton behind a pawn shop. And if you know Colfax, you know that the area is always packed. You know, there's people coming and going every which way. But for some reason that night, there was nobody to be found. So as I'm crying for help, there's nobody around. It all had got really serious when they left me there. And when I was left there, I had to walk a good four blocks to my house. When I got to my house, I honestly... I really was trying to play it off. I didn't want it to seem like anything had happened. So when I had got home, I was just like, you know what? I'm a, this. I literally was planning this house as I was walking. I'm like, okay, as soon as I get in the house, I'm going to go take a shower. I'm going to wash my clothes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I got to my house and realized I didn't have my house key. Sat on the porch, literally just sitting there. As I waited for my grandmother to get home, I couldn't help but tell her what happened. She called the ambulance. They had came. They took me to the hospital. They ended up doing a, a rape kit because it's protocol. Um, you have to do a rape kit. So even if it was protection that was used, they still had to give me a plan B. They had to do a rape kit. I literally went home with nothing that I got to the hospital with. So even after that, I was finally able to get discharged and go home. That next day, they asked me to show them where it happened. At. I showed them where it happened at. All of a sudden, the cameras over there never worked. It was like every day I had to go and try to give a description. So I was not even able to give a description because all I saw was these guys and they looked like homemade ski masks. Like they looked like they went and got beanies, them long beanies, and like they just cut holes in them. So I couldn't even give a description. And at one point in time, it hurt because I felt like the more and more that I kept going to the police station, I really just felt like they wasn't believing me because I'm like, no matter how many times you ask me, my story's not going to change, you know. And even there will be some times where I even like stop talking and I will break down because I'm like, 
after a while, I'm tired of talking about it. Like, y'all don't understand. I'm the one that had to deal with it. So talking about it was even worse. So it even had got to the point where I was just like, you know what? I really was by myself. I didn't have nobody. And then even when I was cleared to go back to school, nobody checked on me. So the rumors were that I got suspended. The rumors were that I just left school. I didn't want to come to school. It was never did something happen to her. When I got my phone back, there was no text messages of anybody checking on me or anything, literally. Then it had got to the point where I really was just like on shutdown mode. Like I didn't want to talk to anybody, didn't want to do nothing. It was really just to myself, started to seek counseling. That was like the longest part of recovery because I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't know if it was because it was still fresh and I didn't want to talk about it or is it because, you know, typically they tell you you're going to have to encounter a couple of therapists before you find the right one. That was my story because a lot of them, I would be in there talking to them and I feel like I was talking to a brick wall. Well, if this is how it's going to feel, I'd rather just go home and talk to the wall and or just write in my journal, you know. So it really just got uncomfortable for me. So I stopped doing that. It was like maybe a year or so later. Um, I wasn't even at home. I was actually living somewhere else and I actually tried therapy again. Did not like it once again. But then on August the 7th of this year, I actually went back to that spot. So this year, November, will make nine years that it happened. Just August uh, the 7th was the first time I had been back to that place. If I can just rewind a little bit, I had so much hatred in my heart towards them people. Like I was like wishing the worst like, and if you know me, you will be like, there will be a lot of people that will say, well, as a Christian, you can't wish death on anybody. You can't wish fail on anybody. But at the time, I wished everything, I wished the worst on them people. But when I went back to that place, August the 7th, I was with my best friend. I was with Shamanika. And um, she was just like, do you want to go? And at first I was just like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I kept telling her like, no, I don't want to go. And then she was like, are you sure? But something in me was like, just go. So I, we went. And it wasn't like the anger that I felt when it happened. It was such a peace that I had. Like I cried. I, I cried really hard, actually, but I didn't have no anger. I didn't think anything fell. I literally put it in God's hands after that. Like if these men never got caught, if these men, if nothing ever happened to these men, I don't wish nothing fell on them anymore. It hurt. It really did hurt because like you don't you don't just wake up in the morning and just think anything's bad going to happen to you. That's kind of how I was. And I was like, this is literally something I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. And you mean to tell me that I'm not allowed to feel how I feel? Absolutely not. So when I got to that place where I literally released released them and the situation, there was such a peace that came over me that I, I was not even expecting to feel. Like I said, yes, it hurt. Yes, I cried. But that's normal because it happened to me. I went back to the place that I hadn't seen in years. So as much as it hurt, it also was such a relief to feel like everything that I felt like was on my shoulders is now literally making me be such a, a much better person now. I've now even gotten to the place where I'm like, you know, although it happened, I don't wish it on nobody. I don't care if you hate me today. I don't wish nothing that I've ever gone through on anybody. People try to compare molestation to rape and it really isn't the same thing they they'll even tell you that they'll give you a pamphlet and let you know that it's something totally different like in my case I literally was raped by three men not one three men so a lot of people could not understand my story there was people that didn't even believe me so it was hard even talking about it because I'm like 
why talk about something that, and don't nobody believe me? Why continue putting my feelings out there, like wanting people to care, wanting people to be there for you, but then in the same token, you're kind of getting this side shoulder, like, okay, we really don't care or we really don't believe you. Why talk about it? So I really just got to a place where I'm just like, now I can freely tell my story to help somebody. I'm not telling my story because I want a pity party. I'm not telling my story because of anything but to help somebody because there's somebody that hasn't gotten to the place that I'm at. And this is my forever testimony that I tell people. I said, I'm not a victim. I'm literally a survivor of sexual abuse. And a lot of people ask me like, well, what did you do? I didn't do nothing. I'm still recovering. I'm still healing. Like I haven't gotten there. Like people say I'm healed. I'm this, no, I'm, I'm healing because I didn't actually start my healing process until August the 7th. I let years pass before I actually thought about it and actually wanted to put things to action to make myself feel better. And I'm not going to lie to anybody. I was even on medication. So it took a lot of prayer. It took medication. It took a therapist. It took me to talk to somebody. And no, it's not bad for you to talk to anybody. I don't care how saved you are. It's okay to get help. It really is. So that's my story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I just really hope this blesses someone and where they can be free to get the help that they need. Because like you said, um, yeah, a lot of times in like church communities, we kind of look down on getting professional help, whether that's medication or therapy or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you touched on that because we're so focused on God being the, he, he is the healer. But it's absolutely, like, absolutely. But he also absolutely. has like resources for us. So. Yeah, man, I'm glad you shared this. This is awesome. Thank you. Okay, so going back to when the assault first happened and you were crying out and you just thought that this was going to be it. So did you feel at that moment, if it was it, that you were ready? Like, I mean, I know you were super young. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If I can be honest, absolutely not. Like, I was in church and I was doing all that, but I didn't get really serious, serious until I was like, Like, I mean, I don't want it to sound bad, but if I could just be (laughs) honest, when I got really serious and I knew my calling, I was 18. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew that God really had his hand on me. But prior to, I'm not thinking about if I'm ready. I'm more so thinking, hey, I I, I haven't even been able to see my, my parents. I ain't been able to see nobody, you know? And it's like, wait a minute. Like, I didn't plan this. And I've always said, like, death is always hard. But when you're in a situation where you get killed or you know it's something traumatic as to why death has happened it's 10 times harder so my thought process was no I'm not ready but at the same time I don't want to be plastered all over the news because somebody didn't see my body or I'm unidentified and Mm. then next thing you know they got to put out an amber alert for me you know there was just a lot of stuff that was going on my mind and no I was not ready there really isn't no time stamp on death the bible says like you don't know the time nor the place you don't know when it's going to happen. But I just never thought that as soon as I left volleyball practice and was headed home, that that was going to be my last night. Absolutely not. Yeah. The old saints like to pound that in your head. Like you, you don't know the day or the hour. Like, yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. you don't know the day, you don't know the yeah. hour, you don't know none of that. But at the same time, it's like, nobody's ever prepared. Like, you know, you hear people say all the time, like, you know, I'm going to be ready when Jesus comes and I'm going to be ready. But at the same time, your mind isn't going to fully be like, okay, you're, you're about to die. So are you good? No, everybody's always going to be always going to be scared, you know? So right. <laughs> me being the age that I was at 15, like, 
no, hold up. Mm. I got, I got a whole life ahead of me. Like, no, I'm not ready. Right. (laughs) So, um, you talked about how like every day you were like in the police station, like telling them what happened and like where you were and taking them back to it and stuff like that. So, well, I know you said you're still healing, but like, how hard was that for you to like, keep reliving it like day after day, week after week, and like not be able to just like go be by yourself and like, forget about it or like try to heal on your own. But every day you had to talk about it. Honestly, it was very hard because not only did I have to go through it, but to have to keep talking about it, it was literally like a moment relived every single time. And it wasn't like, you know, like some people say, oh, this is a moment I'll cherish forever. This was a moment that I'll literally like, I wish that I could just not think about it. But when something like that happens, you're not ever going to forget about it. But then it kind of makes it harder when you have to keep talking about it and you have to keep, you know, reiterating. And then there will be some times where, you know, how like even in court, I even watch court shows where they'll ask you a question, but then they'll try to trick you up and they'll try to switch the question around to see if your answer is going to be different. And that's how they would do me. Like they'll ask me a question, but then they'll switch the question around and try to make me seem like, you know, and it was hard because I'm like, I'm not lying. And like, and I know that it's protocol because people have lied about it. And that's what's hard too, is to be in a situation like this. And you know, people have lied about it. It kind of makes it harder on you because then it's like, they're going to press you. Like they're going to press it and they're going to try to get the most out of you. But if you make any sort of movement to where you seem like something is off, then that's going to be a red flag. So mm-hmm. there will be times where I'm literally just shaking because I'm like, I don't want my nerves to get the best of me. And then all of a sudden they think I'm lying. You know, there was so yeah. much stuff that was running through my head and like even watching CSI. And I know, you know, a lot of stuff that we see on TV <laughs> doesn't really pertain to the real world. But even to see like stuff on like CSI and stuff like that, like people lie about it. And then like they they be full blown in a full case and then they end up finding out that person lied. And then it's like, wait a minute, you took these people through it all. And then all of a sudden yeah. they find out that you lied. Like that's what makes it harder for us people that actually did go through it. It was very traumatizing because then not only was it something that I had to talk about, it was something that I was having nightmares about. I um, When me and Sharonica had first met, this is how Shawnika ended up finding out about the situation was when we had first met, we went to church together and she was like, I really wanted to ask you something. I was like, what's up? She was like, we were in church. You just kept turning around. And I was mm-hmm. like, honestly, it's because now I feel like I have to watch my back. And it sucks when you have to feel like you have to watch your back in church. But I'm like, it doesn't yeah. matter the place. It doesn't matter if I'm at home. I'm always constantly looking over my shoulder because I'm scared. You know, Mm -hmm. so I wanted her to know that it's not you. It's not anything like that. But this is what I went through. So it was like stuff like that. She even noticed. And I'm like, if you notice it, I wonder if anybody else noticed it. And I don't want nobody to ever. I didn't want anybody to think that I was crazy. So there will be some times that I would try to force myself to not look. Mm -hmm. But when you're traumatized and when you're in a place where you didn't been through something and you're scared, you can't help. But if you've got to look over your shoulder, that's just what you got to do. Because at that night, I never felt like I had to look over my shoulder. But one instance of me not looking on my shoulder, this happened, you know? So it's like a situation like that had brought me to being very traumatized in a way that, I mean, I'm not there no more, but that's where I was. Yeah. That's so real. Yeah. One moment of you not looking over your back. I mean, and you know, it's, it's hard to try to play out the different scenarios. Like, okay, if you would have looked over your back, like what would have happened, you know, still, yeah, but yeah. I just, I just know, like, like you said, we just do not think that it, oh, nothing could ever happen to me. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm listening. It doesn't matter if I'm watching, yeah. like. 
And yeah, that's, that's crazy because my mindset was, oh, that'll never happen to me. Oh, that would never be me. That would, you know, and we always try to say what would never happen to us and what would never be us, but you never know. And not never in a million years that I think that this, that I will be this person that is telling my story. Like, you know, yeah. and now that I'm in my healing process, it has made it easier, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. So I, I've even tried to stress to people that although I'm now healing, that does not mean that just because if I happen to go over there or if so, if I hear the word rape, I cringe. Like, mm-hmm. Sharonica is very particular about not using that word because she knows how I get. Like, even when we'll watch a movie or something, a part like that comes on and she'll turn it off because she's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Everybody's not that considerate. Mm-hmm. because I hear all the time like somebody will be playing with somebody and they're like girl stop it feels like you're raping me and I'm like why do people use that word so loosely when there's people that's out here that didn't actually went through something like that mm-hmm. this is serious it's a serious matter and until you've gone through it you probably won't ever understand how serious it is but you have to be ever so careful yeah yeah so the time where you went back I was a little bit confused in like the way you were telling the story. So did you say that you came to a point of forgiving them before you went there or after you went there and you experienced peace, then you were able to forgive them? It was, was it after. Before? It was after. So it you was after. So it was like when I had got there, I had got to the place where I was like, wow, this doesn't hurt. Like, oh, my God, where are these people at? Oh, my God, I want to kill these people. Oh, my God. Like, I literally told my dad, he's incarcerated, but I even told my dad, told him, I said, you need to get out because I need some people that I need you to kill. Not even knowing where they are, who they are, but I really just had such resentment toward these people that I'm just like, oh, if they even get into a car accident, make that car accident hurt. Like, let them feel every bit of pain that I felt, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then when I had got there, it was like, I cried and I cried very hard. It was crazy because when I pulled up, I had my eyes closed. But as soon as I opened my eyes, I just cried and tears just flooded my face. But it was like as soon as I opened my eyes and I let the tears fall, there was no more of the anger. Like it wasn't like I was just like so upset to the point where I was just wishing the worst. So literally it came after when I had got to that place. It was like, you know what? I wish nothing. I wish nothing on them. I don't like as bad as my situation was. I just pray that this doesn't happen to anybody else. I pray that I was, I don't even wish that it happened to me, but I pray that I was the last person that it happened to, you know? So it hurt, honestly, it hurt. That really brought about that forgiveness that I really didn't even want because I'm like, how do you forgive somebody that first off will never tell you sorry because they didn't went on about their little jolly go business. They doing Mm -hmm. whatever they want to do. So how do you forgive somebody for one that wasn't sorry? How do you forgive somebody that literally took everything from you? Like I, I was a virgin. Literally. So it took everything from me and I had got to the place where I was just like, you know what? What more am I supposed to think than bad? Like I'm supposed to be this happy person. I'm supposed to just live my life when I literally got everything taken from me in a blink of an eye, literally. Who? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Yeah. So do you believe that avoiding pain is also avoiding healing? Absolutely. Because I, I avoided it for a long time. And around the time that I was avoiding it was around the time that I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this therapy session. I don't want to do, I don't want to seek counseling. I don't want to do none of that. And as I was avoiding it, I was bottling up. So literally it was almost like that. Uh, I'll just say I have a bag and I'm, I'm just ripping pages out of my notebook. I'm balling up and putting it in there. That's kind of like how I was feeling my heart. 
Mm. I was like, you know what? I'm good. And, you know, if you know me, you know that when I say I'm good and then I happen to like shut off all conversation, I'm not good. So mm. that was my cliche line was I'm good. I'm OK. I'm, I'm straight, you know, but then it was like when I got to the place where I really knew that I wasn't OK. Every single time I said I was OK and then that situation get brought up, I'm crying. They're like, you're not OK then. Absolutely not. So me avoiding the fact that it happened literally paused my process of healing. So when I got to the place where I really was like, I just want to be okay, that's when I finally took that step to go back to that place and start my healing process. Because I'm like, you know, years have gone by and and no recovery don't happen overnight. That's not even like a month process. It takes some time. There gonna be some times when you want it. There gonna be some times when you like forget it. I don't care for it. I don't want it. You know. And I even got to the place where I had became so nonchalant to it that was just like I'm good. I don't. I don't care. It happened. So what? It's not that I can. I can take it back. You know. So I had got so much into this place of healing that I literally was like, I'm not okay, but I really want to be okay. Mm. And that is literally what has made me be so open about my situation. That's how I knew that I was really healing. I knew that it was genuine this time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I feel that it's genuine. I feel that you're on your way to being totally healed one of these days and that you're going to impact a whole bunch of lives. So I just love that. I love that you're on here sharing just with boldness what God has done for you and what he's brought you through and how, yeah, you didn't, it sounds like you didn't have to like figure out how to forgive in your own strength. Like that peace that surpassed all understanding just like came in there and just (laughs) did the heavy lifting. So I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess we will end with um, if you have like some final words of encouragement or advice or something that you want the audience to take away from hearing your story today. If I can say anything, if this ever happened to you, don't rush your process, but also at the same time, get help. Um, Because I know people that have encountered the situation. I know people that have gone through it. A lot of people say that, you know, it took them years. And that's why I'm not ashamed to say that almost November (laughs) would have been nine years that I literally just let this thing just go. I was just like, you know, whatever. But honestly, get help because you're not in this alone. There are people that do care about you. So I don't care if it seems like 50 people are against you. There are 50 people that are for you that will help you. And when you get to a place of healing, it'll bring about such a confidence in you that your story, somebody's going to take after your story. So I know that I'm helping somebody because I've opened my mouth and I finally got to a place where, you know, when I'm healing, I've got to a place where, you know what, I'm ready to start this thing where, you know, I'm full blown about to be out here telling my story to young people. And my story is not even just for young women. My story is for men too. Mm-hmm. Young men, men, older women, young women, you're never too old or never too young to get help. Don't let nobody make you feel bad for wanting to talk to somebody. I'm saved. I'm fully saved sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. And I know how to seek a therapist because I also know that God is real. (laughs) So I talk to God, but I also can seek real life help too. And it's not abnormal. That's also why I ended up coming up with, well, I started my first, well, it wasn't a conference. It was actually a service and I titled it survival mode. Um, I actually came up with the logo. I created the logo on my own and everything. And that has really came with my story. I'm survival mode, but I'm also recovery mode too. So I'm loving the place that I'm in. And I'm just excited to know that there is a God. And there there are really true, genuine people that really care about you. 
For sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much. You killed it. I'm so excited. I can't wait for this to go out. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for having me apart. I uh, I really enjoyed it. And this I know that I've, I'm healing because if I would have talked about this on any other occasion, I probably would have been crying. But yeah. I know for a fact that God is literally working on me. So yes. um, I thank you for having me apart. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait for it to go out. People gonna be like, oh, so now you just tell your story every Yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the Testimony Service Podcast. We will be back next Wednesday with a special episode to end the year off right. I'm bringing back a few of our old guests. And so I'm telling you, you do not want to miss it. So in the meantime, go ahead, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Testimony Service Pod so that you make sure, 100% sure that you do not miss this episode. I promise you it's a good one.